Welcome back to Weebology, everyone. Thank you for coming back to class. I yes, am your, thanks you. Thanks you. I am your <laughs> statuesque yet devoid of all mental capacity, Professor Ricky. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. I'm your stoic professor, um, Goliath oh. of the Gargoyles. Ooh. So we have a guest on Goliath. It's good to see, good for you to be here, my dude. Ah, I'm Goliath. <laughs> I'm statuesque because since last week I haven't moved from this spot. I've sat here for a week straight, not sleeping, not eating. Ethan is very concerned. Well, eh, whatever. <laughs> like I said, not a big deal to me. Whatever, you know. I'm just a wallflower at this point. That's the level of existence that I'm on. I'm a piece of furniture. That's what I, I'm an ottoman very bad of you <laughs> but yeah so you know we've just we just came off of a oh real... i'm ethan by the way <laughs> and he brings it home um we had just got done talking in real world time about a lively happy-go-lucky comedic romantic show my bride is a mermaid but ethan this week we have a tonal shift Quite the tonal shift. A Potentially a paradigm shift. <gasps> Total 180. From light and bright to dark and dreary and gritty and bloody. Ethan, what show are we talking about today? Today we are talking about Darwin's Game. <laughs> the kill, stab, murder, battle royale series that I would argue um, I've seen a couple of these kind of... Uh, killing floor kind of battle royale shows in the past this one does it really Did you good. just read that off of the books on the shelf no i didn't is there a killing is there a killing yeah. floor book i didn't maybe it's subliminal it just and that I, was wild i generally didn't read it it just kind of so came like to he, me. he like glanced over to the bookshelf and and then he said killing floor i'm like holy shit did he just rip that off one of the books i can't i don't even know which book it is uh top shelf Next to Ender's Game. Oh, there it is. Lee Child, Killing Floor. We just hard whipped this off the tracks, and it's only two and a half minutes in. <laughs> Sorry, it was just wild. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so this show was early 2020. Yeah. And I had not heard about it before. You know, we talked about it in our little, um, you know, anime winter, winter anime, whatever. Yeah. Um, episode. And even during that episode, I was not super keen on it, right? Like, I thought it sounded... These these kinds of shows have a tendency to get really generic, and Edge is just the name of the game, right? And that's all you have going for it. So, um, and they're still not as populating the space like Isekais are. So there's still room to, oh, it's a death game. Oh, it's edgy. It's bloody. We can do those things. Um... But then, uh, if you look at it as well, it has a very small, low-key footprint. You know, it kind of went under the radar for us. It was put out by a studio called Nexus, which, if you look, there's like six works total. Like, total. Um, and it's only has 11, it only has 11 episodes in this season. It has a small, unassuming footprint all the way through, but I was pleasantly surprised. Uh, it didn't feel generic at all. It felt like it had its own character, its own unique um, feel and story and everything like that. Uh, how'd you feel, Ethan, after uh, watching all 11? I fucking loved this show. Yeah? So, like, the funny thing is, like, the first episode is basically not about Kaname, or at least, like, the first bit of the episode. Right, right, right. And so I'm like, 
kind of lost. Where's our boy? Yeah. You know, not not like, you know, when you start a show, you know who the main character is, but like you you can see from the, you know, <clears throat> the um like the art, right, the poster art or whatever for the season, like who the main character is. And like the very beginning, you're like, what the hell is going on kind of, right? Yeah. And but it doesn't even though you feel a little disoriented early on, it it does a brilliant job kind of showing you enough visual exp- uh, um, exposition to kind of give you the, the gravitas of how, you know, this, this game operates and the stakes here. And it, you know, it set up the world before we got the main character. And that did a really good job of, you know, when he gets injected into this game, you already kind of have a sense of... Right. I loved that yeah. about it. It was, like, very clever. Um, I think, like, a lot of shows try to do it, but this one, you know, first of all, it's simple enough to where, like, you understand you get killed in the game, you get killed in real life. Right. <laughs> but so, what I loved is they did, like, a like societal... Sorry, something's choking me. Hang uh, on. Oh, no. I'll, t- I'll take over for him. What Where we are, you know, when... You kind of get your bearings after the first episode or two. Um, you find out that... A societal our- explanation for why these, like, little... So, basically, when you die in this game, your body, like, cubifies and vanishes. Which was totally a left field and super cool. Like, you digitize it. Right. But just- it also, like, will leave your, basically, your body print on the ground or whatever you're leaning against, essentially. Yeah. And so, they, they the government is basically saying these are, like, some vandal artist like, yeah, like a banksy a- <laughs> sort of person right going around and making these art art installation and fixtures mm-hmm. i don't know i really like that they like made a reasonable um kind of logic leap to say you know this is oh, this yeah. is where these are coming from because it's it's hard to really think like okay these were per- people right like what yeah what you have you see this piece of you know, this indentation on the ground in this very pixelated manner, and you have two options. You either think, A, this is a supernatural death game that people play on their phones for hundreds of millions of yen, or it's an art piece. <laughs> Pretty logical to go with door number two, um, when in reality we learn it is, in fact, <laughs> it's door number one. Um, but yeah, so it's uh, it's honestly... So explain the mechanics of the game just yeah, a little bit. Yeah, so what happens is you get invited you you receive a game notification invite to download something called darwin's game and then when you start make a profile and hit begin or play um the supernaturals kind of stuff kicks in and a snake comes out of your phone and goes for the neck just goes right 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 for the neck and you oftentimes will pass out and then wake up to what seems like you've just been unconscious and then you now are part of this game where the object is, you know, kill other players, have battles, gain notoriety and money. Uh, The other big mechanic of this, which we can go into it a little more in depth if you want to now or later, is the concept of sigils. You receive an ability from said snake that will allow you to help in battle. Some are literal god powers. Some are kind of shit. It's literally the luck of the draw. Um, but we we get our boy Kaname, who one of his good friends has been playing for a while, and he receives a help call. Actually, two of his friends, right? Was it two of his friends? Yeah, so I think... Oh, yeah, one gets, one gets nixed 
like in immediately, that, immediately in, in the, the opening other. scene, and that's how we kind of find out about this game in general. Yeah, and then his second friend had also been playing, and the the like basically the idea of you know they're making more money and stuff like that that's going on in the background is Kaname says like. They both got new bikes, like new uh, motorcycles. Yeah, that's right. It's like, and where the like, fuck did you get the money for motorcycle? Right. Like, <laughs> yeah. And so that's kind of how we we kind of get introduced to this whole world and like the ability to make money off it and stuff like that is like his two two of his best friends all of a sudden just have more money and then one of them vanishes and nobody knows what's going on except for obviously the one who, you know, playing the game knows what happened. Right. right? And and the reason why Kaname got, got shafted into this is because like we mentioned in that early scene, the guy was getting chased around by what looked like an invisible, uh, invisible player, uh, just this, this invisible murderer guy. And he decides, shit, I need to go call for help. And he decides to call, Kaname, which the call doesn't go through, but he gets the notification about Darwin's game, which then kicks off the whole story. I think that's also a brilliant way to get him involved. It isn't malicious. It is like within the mechanics of the game, you're allowed to call for help, but only those who are playing can help. So he's like, I don't want to have to do this to my buddy, but I don't want to die either. <laughs> so he calls him up. Yeah, I mean, it's a little selfish, right? Like, the guy is living his blissful life, not involved in the, this at all. The whole concept you. of the game is selfish. Yeah, shit. yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally. yeah, But I, I understand what you're saying is that it's definitely kind of tailoring to people who are out for wealth and power. Uh, so, I mean, it's... It's fucked up, dude. It's fucked up, dude. Uh, That's fucked up. <laughs> so, <laughs> as he goes through, he gets challenged, challenge after challenge... And would you argue that in the early, early stage, Kaname kind of falls ass backwards into wins? Totally. So, like, what what I did not like is you became instantly when you're bit by the snake and whatever, mm-hmm. you, you kind of come into this game. And everyone basically instantly knows that you've started playing, yeah. it seems like. Yeah, you, you get notifications from people in your area. Like, oh, look, we have a new player. But, like, what's stupid is there's no, like, game explanation from your phone telling you how to play. I think the Game Master never wanted there to be one. Is that you just... But that's, like, a horseshit game. It's just bad game design. (laughs) Well, like, he literally didn't know anything about it. And he's, like, accidentally finding people that don't want to, like, insta-kill him. I would, yeah, I would argue that that exploration of the mechanics is part of the game. I know you wouldn't know that, but... Um, I think that first encounter with the invisible guy who his powers, he can be invisible, but he's also wearing a mascot outfit. Um, the rookie killer. The rookie killer. And I which, like, which I thought was funny as hell. It and was like good. a really good like mechanic because I think in any system where you have like games like that, where people don't know what the hell's going on, yeah. you're going to have somebody like that that just goes after like the weak players. Exactly. And it like hearkened back to the hunter exam for me oh. with that guy who would give them poison you know oh yeah, the, ro- yeah the, the, the rookie hunter yeah yeah, yeah. that's cool um and so i kind of thought that was at least like a really cool funny kind yeah. of i mean it might not be an homage to that but it instantly brought that up in my mind i i cannot praise enough the pacing in the early the first half of this season it's spectacular. I mean, every scene had purpose. Everything ramped up in a very predictable way. And early Kaname, early Kaname is the most relatable person 
in uh i think in any kind of these situations he doesn't instantly become this killer he doesn't instantly become this skilled you know prodigy he does fall ass backwards into so many win situations and just lockout after lockout and when when I was watching that, I'm like, okay. Folks, I found out we weren't filming, so this is going to start after 12 minutes. All of a sudden, there's going to be a film. <laughs> Oopsie. I think it's because my dad called me in the beginning of this. He did, um, he did call him for a toilet paper hotline. Yeah. And I think yeah. potentially that knocked it out. Yeah, I got to prioritize, um, man. But now it's filming, so you'll, Hi, everybody. you'll be able to see after like 12 minutes or whatever. We here on the Webology Podcast love transparency. Yeah. About, you know, our TP hotlines and you know, the uh, loose use of paper towels. But um, so what I was saying was I was when you watch Kaname in the early in the early game, did you feel like he was a relatable character and all that? Like, or did you feel like he wouldn't react the same way you would put yourself in his shoes? You just got bit by a snake and you don't really know. And some guy's attacking you. Do you like his actions felt very reasonable? Yeah, they felt reasonable for a complete pussy. Um, and, and, like, I think oh, that... No. It, well, that is the point. Like, he's supposed to be, like, a little bitch. Right, yeah. And, yeah. and he definitely acts like one, so... <laughs> yeah, he's definitely a little pussy boy. If you can tell, yeah, he's I don't a- agree with his mindset generally. Um, right. I think, like, obviously, if I was a pussy, I probably would, would <laughs> act the same way. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know... I think the hard part for him was, like, actually figuring out that this game's legit, like, people die. Yeah. Because, like, he didn't really get to see that until his, one of his besties died. Right. And I think in some ways that jaded him. Yeah. But it also, like, kind of gave him this this complex of, like, no matter what, I'm going to survive, and it's going to be for my two homies. Yeah, do it for the bros. Um, you know what I mean? I do, and I, I guess... I know it's kind of a big question, but I mean, if you just witnessed this death, this uh, digitizing, breaking down of your your friend's body, he uh, basically still has the commitment to not kill anybody. Could you say you'd have the same level of conviction, like, to not kill anybody in a death game when the whole objective is kill or be killed? Um, I think he's got a flawed... Um philosophy about it yeah i think him thinking that he's killing people for gain or like you know money or fun or whatever yeah is not particularly what's happening i think it's definitely like a um like a self so like self-indulgent arrogance to like i i can be the one to not kill anybody i can be the one to break the mechanics of the game well there's like a little bit of that but it's like you're not doing this for fun right and you're not doing this to make money and stuff like that like i think yeah. when, when there's aggressors out there coming after you like i think it's fully fair in this weird game right yeah i mean what in my eyes I'm like what choice do you really have he got so lucky that he didn't have to kill anybody in the early game right he got because his first one got hit by a car <laughs> which when you're an invisible power in a parking parking garage, you're kind of asking for it. <laughs> you absolutely are asking, asking for, for that. It. Fucking idiot. Um, and that's and doesn't he immediately after fight uh, the female lead, right? Yeah, so he basically finds... I don't know how she contacted him. So basically, she was... 
Okay, when a fight starts, you can, on your phone, you can kind of see all the people that are fighting. You can see clan battles and shit like that. That's a good mechanic, too. And when you're in the fight, you can you can locate your opponent, but not, fi- like, super finitely, right? You can get a, ge- a general area of where they're at. Because you notice that the invisible guy could get him within, like, you know, maybe 50 yards of where his actual location is. Um but yeah, she, I think she messaged him saying, like, if you want to know more about the game, come to this warehouse. And um, then she kind of pops off. Like, they try to, they try chatting, and he's like, I really don't want to fight. But she's like, well, I kind of I kind of want to fight. So. Well, I think it's because, um, you know, I think he did a reasonable thing and brought a weapon. Yeah. But in her opinion, if you bring a weapon, you're meaning to use it. That's good. Yeah, she did say that. Like, and so she does actually attack him. And this is really, like, one of the major impetuses for him to gain power quickly or like understand what's going on right um so they're kind of explaining what's happening like with the game and all that while they're fighting which i think was pretty interesting that's that's cool i mean it's achieving two things at once it's you know if i'm about to kill him might as well see if he can put up a fight but that was never really her objective in the first place really I, i still was kind of unclear what her objective was other than to fight um because what, what gain would she have in telling him about the game? She's already an A-ranked player. She's like... I think she was looking for a family, to be honest. Oh, that, yeah. That seems to be like a major crux of her character. Is she's yeah. looking for people to clan up with, essentially. Mm-hmm. And this girl's name is Shuka. Yeah, Shuka. Shuka. And... Marino. Uh, A.K.A. the Queen of Thorns um, and the Undefeated Queen, who is an A-ranked player, very highly feared, very efficient, and... um. She then she then tells him about how to use a sigil, which I think is a good segue into talking about what kind of what these are in depth. So, Ethan, what can you can you hunker down on if sigils are a power system? It felt really loose, right? Like anything goes. There's no like power source. There's this. It's a lot of mystery to what a sigil actually is. I mean, it kind of just seemed like pure RNG. Like, you, yeah, so you play the game and you're given an ability essentially. Some people can go invisible, like we said. It's there's... surprising. There's no like overlap of abilities. Like, as at least so far, I haven't seen two people with the same ability. There, there's a uh, like kind of uh, similar ones that are like there's fire based ones. We've seen a, maybe one or two fire based ones. Um, but the one guy was special because he can surround himself in fire instead of shoot it out. Um, but in some of them, y'all, some of them just get like god level crazy. Like, um, we meet a little girl named. She calls herself the the analytic or the analyzer chick who's like super smart and all. She's like an information broker. She is. I want to say the analyst. Analyst, something like that. Um, um, her name is Rain Kashiwagi. Rain. Okay. Dude, her ability, Laplace. Laplace's demon. Was so insane. And allows a- her to calculate physical vectors and knowledge to such an extent to the point where she can visualize the near future, although her ability can be countered by moving in manners that surpass physical limits and conventional predictions. Does that come out, just come out of your brain like super? Yeah, right off the top of the dome. dome, Yeah. So I actually think like, isn't Laplace transforms and stuff like that in math, isn't it like a way to predict? 
using like historical it's like, data. It's like wave. It's like using um, waveforms and and um, like electro. Because I thought Laplace's demon was uh, a mathematician thought up of if a creature out there knew every all the information about every particle in the universe that they could like predict. They can know every future, past, present. Like yeah, time I think would that's be, true. I think yeah, that's true. Um, which is funny because. Um, like I think it makes total sense. Yeah, right. <laughs> like uh, obviously, but um, he also was like a mathematician and just in general. Yeah, and I think there's there's some stuff that he made, but his transforms and differential equations, which I do not remember very well. And now <laughs> on the math portion of our podcast today. All um, right, so it turns out two plus two is. You're right, not four. <laughs> it's the new world order we live in nowadays. <laughs> I decide. <laughs> so. She, her, I, I feel like her power is literally like God vision, and I don't feel like it's ever utilized to its maximum. In the in from her perspective, maybe because she's a an uncreative. Maybe I don't I don't know. Um, her I don't being, know. Her I'd being say, a sniper made sense though. I was gonna say she's a sniper and she never gets hit because she can like dodge everything. I think it's like fucking hacks. Yeah, pretty lit. <laughs> fucking hacks. Who else had a Who else had an OP one? Uh, Wang. Wang uh, had a pretty OP one, so I never really got what his was. I couldn't tell if his was the ability to like so cut things or like teleportation. They, he kind of put it a certain way near the end. I think in like the last episode when he was getting his ass kicked. His sigil allows him to reach extremely high heights within a second. He, but no, he said he can control space, which allows him to do that that cutting move. Um, he can just like separate things that are like a. a I guess an atomic level of, of sharpness, but um, I mean, I, the way I was thinking about it was he was like hand. Yeah, well, yeah, he was like hand, hand from um, JoJo's. JoJo. Uh, yeah, he can basically tear away at space, so he just kind of would use that to both teleport <laughs> and just <laughs> slice people up. He was a weird dude. His character was so kind of one note, but he was a good antagonist for what he needed. Um, so in this game, there people will clan up and gang up in in big ways, and in Shibuya. Uh, the eighth gang, I believe, is that what they're called, and their leader is this literal psychopath um, named Wang. And that shit dude, where he would he would cut off the fingers of his victims and then shove them in like alcohol in a jar and ferment them or something like that. And pickle yeah, so fingers. he has a habit of cutting off their fingers and pickling <laughs> them into juice. Uh, this all these facts coming off the brain right now. I'm shocked. I'm yeah, impressed. it's pretty it's impressive. Like you had the wealth of human knowledge at your fingertips. Either. Yeah, I have Laplace's demon. Oh God, he he has the sigil. Um, other other ones are a little more physical. There's the guy who's like a speedster, and the other guy had Tempest, which um kind of would it felt very telekinetic, like telekinetic big big punch force. Um, but Ethan, what was Kaname's sigil? So for the longest time, it was unknown and like unnamed, which I think was a great way of like yeah. showing it was rare. Right. So I wonder if the RNG really is RNG or there's something to him as a person that there's clearly some shit going on in the background. Yeah, right. And like we can get into that a little bit later, but yeah, like yeah. there's like politics and stuff like that. There's people betting on each of these matches and stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, and what's cool is this this like game is it has like essentially events like if you play Fortnite or Apex Legends or whatever, there'll be like a new event where yeah. all of a sudden there's um new golden Mozambiques everywhere on the map or something like that, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh for Apex. But like 
So in this case, there's different events, and only a subset of the players will be invited, and they'll basically be teleported to wherever the event starts, and then it's basically like a battle royale, or they're searching for something or something like that. Yeah, and I actually found that this part was a bit weak for me. Um, I loved it because there was like this clear, clear um, people that weren't in the actual match and were like aristocratic type people could bet on it, and they like there was like this whole yeah economy on the outside. It was a little bit like kaiji if you've ever seen that. That was that was probably the strong that was the strongest part of this for me. I think the week was the actual game rules itself. The the vagueness. I think kind of what you were saying before, giving you like unclear ideas but i then they kind of save themselves a little bit by making it more of a puzzle kind of thing i never really didn't really strike me that kaname was a, a smart enough dude to figure this puzzle out i think it was a little bit of an ass pull that he, he figured, didn't rain figured it out and was it just, rain okay okay because i thought he i thought he was the one who came up with the idea that the the gemstones that they were collecting aren't actually no, what no, matter. no that was rain that was rain yeah she see she makes sense um, um, I mean, I'll say like the ending was fucking stupid. Like the, the <laughs> there's only one, oh, the key. one locker in all of Shibuya <laughs> that has a six code digit. How do you know that you psycho? That's <laughs> exactly like there. He definitely felt a little ass poly in terms of like, no rain knew that she's the one who told him, but I'm saying either way, nobody's going to know that he, I don't know something about this. The, it was out of character for him to be able to execute this plan and be ballsy enough to go in front of a guy who can literally cut you up from a distance um i don't know so like that's one thing like so the main character kaname is like a major pussy in terms of like not being willing to kill people but i think he is very strong and strong-willed when it comes to like falling through on his convictions yeah and so he wants to save ryuji really 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 bad so it didn't really feel that out of place for me to see him you know what I take it back. It is a little bit later in the show that I think it becomes out of place. That was a, I think that was a good turning point. It was staunch because I was like, oh, I thought little baby, baby boy was kind of a, kind of a pissant. But um, now he's like, oh, okay, he's a bold dude. Um, going in front of all of the eighth clan essentially that they have. Um, I don't know. I, I, I think he showed some chutzpah when he fought against ooh, the undefeated queen as Gustav. well. Yeah. Um, and that's like kind of what made her feel like, oh, this guy's actually a badass and I'm going to fall in love with him type stuff. <laughs> it's enough to make, enough to make a grown man cry. Did it's you like story. Shuka? Uh, she, uh, she wore me thin a little bit. I think, um, <laughs> I really liked her. I liked her. Uh, my arc was like, I liked her a lot. I got a little bit stale on her. And then at the end when she was like badass queen mode against Wang, I was like, all right, everything's cool again. I'm into that. Um, I guess, I guess I, I went into this death game show when I started it kind of with a low expectation. And I think it may have tainted some of that for me. Um, but I was pleasantly surprised and it, what it way exceeded my expectation for, um, the quality of the show, but it's in this tournament before he basically wins, he does win some very cool thing. Um, but he meets who would later become the core of his clan called the Sunset Ravens. Um, so who we got in the rundown? We Shuka. Um, yeah, Shuka is obviously like the the matriarch type um, mm-hmm. person. You've got Rain, who's the analyst. 
and can see all things at all times. <laughs> crazy, crazy. Uh, right. Ryuji. You got Ryuji, who's this big like machine gun guy, and his sigil is complete ass. He can. He. The thing is, it's just specialized. He can tell if someone's lying or not with perfect accuracy. Huh, RNG, man. Sometimes you get it. Sometimes you get absolute <laughs> calculation cucks. Yeah, sometimes just... you can't find any armor in Apex Legends, and then you just <laughs> fucking die instantly. So, something recently happened in Apex, and you feel really sorry. I don't want to talk about uh, it. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> and we have, the, we have what I'd say is the weirdest character in Sunset Ravens up to this point. 100%. So, Sui slash Sota. So it's like a... They the youngest them- member of Sunset Ravens <laughs> with a dual personality due to the presence of her deceased older twin brother Sota's soul within so her body. I missed, I missed that it was a soul thing. I thought it was like multiple personality disorder. Like she would just flip in and out. Yeah, it was not well explained. Um, But while Sui is quiet, shy, and soft-hearted, Sota is violent, bloodthirsty, and outspoken. Yeah, he's a little, he was a little tweaked. Like he was like... A little too built for the game, the 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 death game, um, but their power was like water manipulation, essentially telekinetic water bending for you Avatar fans. Yeah, so Sui's sigil is Pollux Light, which allows her to control water, and then Sota's sigil is Caster Light, allows him to freeze things. So they did use both of them in tandem, which I think was actually a pretty cool mechanic. <laughs> Super but, dope. Yeah, but that raises some interesting questions about the the mechanics of the game. So she slash he got two sigils because of the existence of two souls. So there's a linking of soul and power there. It, it seems like at one point they both were in the game and he died and somehow their souls were inextricably intertwined. Ooh, and that, that's the thing. So it's tied to not to the body, but the soul, which is getting into some sweet spirit power stuff. So um, at the at the end, Yusuke, you're a meshy. How'd you get in this game? <laughs> I'm a spirit detective. My sigil is spirit gun. Um, so at the end of we we get this core cast, and they make for a good little squad. Uh, they're they're enjoyable to watch together, definitely. Um, after Kaname wins the whole shebang, this big uh treasure hunt of sorts. Um, inside of the box is a phone, and he receives a call from the game master. Darwin Daddy himself. Um, <laughs> and he says, Hey, good job. Nice win. Nice to kill you. Um, what's all the stuff that he gets? He he gets a bunch of cash, like a lot of cash. These points do are like akin to basically cryptocurrency, and they're worth a fuck ton. It kind of seems like um there's like like there's a Darwin currency essentially. Decoin. But it get instantly like changed into yen. Yes. Or whatever your Yes, you can you could basically denomination is of yeah. choice. And you can also use it to buy in game items, which you can literally get like they teleport in. That was fucking sick. Yeah. So they basically like you could buy a grenade mid match and then get you can use it. Um but it I mean, like I said, these are very expensive points and it's not cheap, so um, and and you get points through like battles, um, clan battles, um, like, like these, squad these different yeah, yeah squad battles or like these different events that happen. Like as far as I could tell, he he and his clan were the only ones to get points. I thought it would be kind of cool if there was like a clan battle at some point and they'd each get different amount of points depending on how they finish. Oh yeah yeah. I thought that would have been kind of cool, but it's an all or nothing game. 
this is, this is high stakes. This well, because like, I, I think that game. was one thing they didn't really explain that well is like they so the premise of that original um, match with like all the different people being teleported to Shibuya was if you find these different rings, they're worth different point values. Right. And we never un- really heard whether so Wang's eighth p- group had like thirty three rings, which was like a bajillion dollars. It's a shitload of cash. But we never really heard whether they got that or not, or if oh, the game a, was like thinly veiled to be like there's an under game. Yeah, under game. Right. Yeah, yeah. And it's it. There's some details that they left out, but it that, is. That's what I'll say is like this show. I think the concept is really, really strong, and I think the overall idea of the game is pretty strong, too. I'd say the execution in certain situations, not super ideal. Yeah, I'd have to agree. And it's it's to the point where you could the energy that you're feeling off of this show is you could tell that all the writers are like, uh-huh, uh, do you like our, the, isn't the concept cool for like 11 episodes without, you know, doing a, maybe a little, going the extra mile in some scenes to really and you know what they're right it is cool it is cool so i mean it and for it being 11 season 11 episode season holy ho- shit 11, 11 seasons. seasons get after it students no 11 episode season it's um it, it's it's an easy it's an easy eat you know it's a quick snack of a season and it's over before you can hate it if it's not your thing so which is so it's something that um I didn't mind that too much that the details weren't there because they didn't have a lot of time to tell them. I think maybe if they gave themselves two more episodes worth of time, the things that we are having questions about, they probably would be able to fill those in. Um, but yeah, we have ourselves we have ourselves a clan. Um, the Sunset Ravens are uh, con the up and up. People are chatting. People be talking. Yeah, so like it's pretty interesting. People know about the analyst, obviously, because she sells data to everybody and stuff like that. She plays kind of like the uh, um, Isaiah. What the hell is his last name? Isaiah. Orihara, oh, okay. uh, kind of character from Dorara, if oh, you yes. remember, like the information broker. Um, she kind of plays a similar role. Um, and then you have obviously Kaname is the head, um, and everyone's kind of like there's a lot of buzz about him because he's basically undefeated, but he's fought like some really ridiculous ass and he's opponents newbie, at this point. Yeah. He won the event. Like, there's just a lot of like really interesting hype around him and buzz. Mr. Golden Boy himself. Yeah, and then you have Shuka, the undefeated queen, who's only lost once, and that was to Kaname, right? So he's he's got a pretty stacked house, but there's there's actually an interesting little time skip that happens after that tournament because the um he asks, gotta wait first. The I was the last say, person that joins his group. Oh, who is that? Wait, Lou, oh, Lou that's Lou's- after the time skip. I don't think so. Yeah, well, yeah, because he wins. Ahead, he wins. Game, he asked the game master for a privilege. Yeah, you can have any game privilege you want, and then he trains for like, I think like two months or something at that Donjo boxing club. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't think he was had trained before that. She tried to get in. I she, could be wrong. He, I think that's the guys. A problem. If I had a biggest problem with the show, it's right after that time skip. Um, because they gave you like zero info, they gave you zero info and he just goes from being a kind of relatable, bold, but you know, still timid, kind of timid, uh, you know, character to this cocky, like I'm the golden boy. I am the one who wins kind of, kind of character for me. I mean, I don't agree with that at all. It's a huge tonal shift for him. I don't agree with that at all. 
Um, he was not cocky I, at all post win. Um, when he had that fight against Donjo, but he was like this. I don't know something. Something about him became a little unrelatable for me. I think he may have backed it backed it in a little bit after that, but. I felt it very. I would odd. say the last yeah. episode he got hella hella cocky, but it yeah. was because he had to be. He, he that's that's when he, I think he when he went full hog. So He's basically, this. this stuff with Donjo. There's this other group, like another massive clan in their area. Yeah, and they've decided they wanted to create an alliance. Well, Donjo's a martial artist, and he says, "Okay, I'll only recognize you as an alliance member if." you know, you can fight me and I view you as worthy. And I'm not really sure what exactly um, the Sunset Ravens were doing for Donjo to make it even like worth their while. It didn't really make a lot of sense from that perspective. Yeah. Um, I think but that that might have been why he wanted to fight. Like, okay, we let you. Maybe well, they trained him and I don't know yeah. why they did that. Maybe he didn't he like save somebody for them or something like that. I'm not sure. Um, that was kind of unexplained. But that fight kind of gave way to, okay, we will have an alliance with you. And in comes Zulane. Yep. Oh, boy. Lou. Zulane. So Lou. fine. Yeah, she, she's so gorgeous. She's like this insanely like powerful. She's the number one player in the game. She had essentially superpowers before... Yeah, she's she joined that. Darwin's game. Yeah. So she's from like a long line of Taiwanese hit women's. Hit women, yeah. Hit, hit people. <laughs> it's 2020 um, after all. <laughs> and uh, so she basically bets on them to win the game, actually, yeah. in, in that little um, that event. Car. Yeah. And ends up winning, obviously. And she decides, like, okay, I'm going to take him. I'm going to take Kaname and he's going to marry me or join my clan. Or I don't really remember other than that, what the hell her plan was. Yeah. That's where, and that's who like, I, I, they, they didn't have to do this next part. And I told Ethan that, you know, I can forgive the whole, the Donjer time skip thing. I can forgive maybe he, um, my perceived him pulling away from his relatability in a, in a little bit. I can forgive that. That's progression as a character, but when they're both in the car and he is tied up in her back seat, the amount of wanking that she does for Kaname is so strange to me. Like, you're literally a natural-born killer. It turned from a compelling guy to, again, they made him look like kind of a power fantasy, which I kind of didn't want them to do with him, you know? I mean, I guess like I can get that, but I think he's shown throughout the show to just be like, legitimately a natural at this stuff yeah i guess and like i think even when he was fighting shuka like she was surprised at how quickly he was picking it up and how uh-huh. how quickly he was like formulating you know plans and stuff like that and i think that's been like a progression that we've been seeing for him is like he's getting like really fucking good at this <laughs> he's really good with the gun but like not even just with a gun but just like he's he understands the game really well yeah and he's like so, for instance, the way he gets out of the, the Zhulon thing is he, he basically does a clan fight with her and says, you have to be able to get away from my clan without killing anybody. So, he gives her this, yeah. like, this like so her obvious inclination is just kill them all and get away, and then she wins. Which she could do so easily. So, he yeah. throws that little piece in, and that kind of shows, like, okay, he's getting it. He's getting, like, the idea that he clearly understands that there is a way to do this that does not necessarily include just like overwhelming power. 
like him and the analyst are both using their brains a lot more than a lot of the other mm. clans. Yeah. And I think that's where you're kind of seeing this potential, um, like you were saying, he turned into like a cocky idiot. I think it's just because he's like thinking a couple steps ahead of a lot of people. Yeah. He's able to kind of like, I don't know. I feel like he's got a better grasp of this game than anyone really potentially maybe, and maybe could. I didn't consider it that way that his, his um, desire to not kill started because of this, you know, maybe slightly misplaced sense of morality in a game that's literally about killing Two, I can still do it, but I'm being strategic with it. Like, that that detail of not wanting to kill people was less of a morally taken stance and now a strategically taken one. So that's it. I can see that flip. That's a cool flip. Um, and it, he turns out he is successful and manages to snag the number one player into the Sunset Ravens. And um, that that line, that interaction was cool. Was like, if you, if you're gonna if you're gonna betray the clan, do it to me first. That's my only. That's I need you to promise that. She's like, okay, if I murder everybody in the clan, I'm starting with you. And he's like, ha okay, you're in. <laughs> I don't know why. I loved that, like, interaction. That was a good interaction. It was, like, pretty, like, um, both, like, high-level brains kind of talking. Like, because obviously the they're brain not. brain blash. Well, they're yeah. not, like, good enough to really take in the number one player. Like, like yeah. I didn't really understand her point in trying to join the clan. That didn't really make a lot of sense to me. Like really, what is it in it for her? <laughs> Him, maybe. Is yeah, she is she that much of a thirst trap? She could have like, just killed everyone though. Like literally, while they were standing there, killed everyone else. That's a good point. Him. Yeah. So I, I, I don't, I don't understand why she's playing his game. If that yeah. makes sense. Maybe, maybe unless she's, she's just waiting to see. Maybe she's the long the long haul for it. It's potential yeah. that she's just waiting to see how strong he gets. That's actually, and because that's that's what I'm saying. If she's got an eye for talent. And she prides herself in an eye for that kind of talent. She's going to sit around and wait for it to be, you know, matured before she... Okay, so waifu battle. Who should he marry? Shuka or uh, Louis Zulan? Zulan. Done. Even though he has to become like a bloodthirsty assassin? He already... By the end of this this first season, he he already kind of is. That's what I'm saying. So he's actually already the kind of man she's looking for. Um, okay, what if he's able? <laughs> this is so stupid. What, what? What if he's able to keep Julan as his wife, but have <laughs> Shuka as his side <laughs> side piece? So you're saying, <laughs> like, basically live with Suka, but but like be a so wait, sperm donor. So, who, wait, so yeah, so who's the side? Oh, so he's just basically he's being studded out to Zulang <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. for his assassin assassin butter Jeans. yeah 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 <laughs> it's assassination butter and Yikes. to make uh, elite killing children yeah 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 while having a nice homely experience with Shuka I say best of both worlds <laughs> that's honestly hey yeah Kaname that's there's your plan A B and my C man. my dude <laughs> that's where it is but yeah by the end it's we definitely gotta talk about this transformation for him cause he would you say he snapped or he just went full in, like full tilt? No, so he snapped. So basically okay. they had – remember we had mentioned that group of friends he had in the beginning. There was four of them. Well, two of them had already died from playing this game. And one was totally out of it. Right, and Kaname had been pulled into the game and he had been distancing himself from the fourth guy so that he didn't get pulled in and killed as well. 
Um, well, this guy obviously feels like, where the hell happened to all my friends, you dicks? Fucks, like, where yeah. did you assholes go? And <laughs> Why so, are you buddy? So many freaking motorcycles, dude. <laughs> yeah, so they come. he actually goes to his house and gets kidnapped by the eighth. Yep. And um, so I saw that scene, and then the next episode, they were, like, making a lot of references to, like, taking someone and i was like what the hell are they okay talking did about? you did you know there's after credit scenes right yeah so that's when i figured that out i didn't know that until maybe episode like six and i just didn't i just didn't click with me until i looked at the bar and i was just like typing on my phone and look up oh sh- oh shit oh yeah. sh- oh shit um but yeah, yeah luckily i caught on before uh piglet got snapped so snatched. <laughs> essentially they took his friend and they're like holding him hostage because Wang feels very like pissed off that Kaname beat him in this game, yeah, and basically lied to his face and like he pretty much played Wang as hard as you can possibly play somebody. Yep, he yeah he and played him like a fiddle. so he feels humiliated and he wants to fight him. And Kaname has no no interest in joining a battle or anything like that. No, unless he just there's like an impetus or a reason. Right. So um, taking his friend did that, but <laughs> Wang kills his friend before he even shows up. That was harsh, and I think it was harsh too because, um, basically the plan to get him out was, um, Suka went up on top of the the building, dropped a phone down to his friend, and basically said, "We need like you need to accept this invite." Right, you gotta join the game, get a sigil, and get out. So he actually had to do what someone else did to him, but for the reason of saving his life. And when he signed up. He got straight up telekinesis. Right. It like was straight up telekinesis. Ridiculous. So like I thought we were about to see basically what I was like what I oh, this is a total side side headcanon, but what I would like to have seen is Piglet goes mad with power, kills Wang, and takes over as the eighth, like instantly. And basically, it's like, dude, I was trying to like, you know what? Now that I got this, ah, you know what? <laughs> I did not think that was gonna happen. Um, this I know, is I know. Shinozuka. Yes. Um, and. I like that power because it's very symbolic. He had gotten his fingers chopped off, so he can't right. really use his hands. So having telekinesis is kind of a it's a beautiful, uh, poetic sigil, if you will. Um, but he gets uh, sliced and diced, which is really sad. Really yeah, sad. and like Wang puts him in a <laughs> like a fucking cardboard like, box, like, like from his seven, different yeah. pieces. And, What's in uh, the box? Right, right, right. <laughs> and then like he finally shows up, Kaname, and he ha- like looks into the box, and Ryuchi's like, "Don't look in the box. Obviously, it's your buddy. It's your, clearly your dude." It's, like Don't there's do like it. blood coming out of the bottom, and then at that point, it's like he just completely snaps and goes full like full warlord, full metal jacket. Like I'm he just warlord, warlord. He's he like headshots for days with like a pistol, like incredible aim. Well, like at that point, he had he had done actually a lot of, done training. Yeah. yeah, he had done a lot of training. He knows what his actual uh, sigil is. Yeah, like the game master at the end of the event told him what his sigil is, gave him some special privileges, gave him a shitload of money, and like what some was it stuff called? like, like that. Iron Iron Will of Heart or something like that. Or but what <clears throat> what, it, what it did is allow. If him I had to guess, it would be <laughs> the Fire God's Hammer. There it is. It's like weapon mastery, but you can copy and reproduce. Any weapon you've had before. Allows him to recreate weapons and other simple objects. It's almost as if I just said that. He has touched before, in addition to (laughs) modifying them to his will. Although this exhausts him easily, and objects created will disappear should he lose consciousness. That was was actually really cool when he found out about his power because he then kind of realized that he doesn't just have to do a direct copy. He 
was trying to shoot against a guy who had high defensive capabilities and he had like an LMG, but then the next one he made, the bullets had like 10% more gunpowder or just like a higher kick. Yeah, the gun's durability would run out quicker, but it didn't need to last long. But it just needed to be more powerful in the moment. That was a really cool, creative tweak to the power. Yeah, I thought it was sick, and then he like stops using that ability. Yeah, right. So and I thought that was kind of like a weird thing. It was like a JoJo type thing where like some insane ability you know shows up, and then all of a sudden they stop using it. Awful. Just and then I, one thing I thought that was interesting was he didn't start going around and just like trying to accumulate as many weapons as possible. Like if you remember yeah. now, Fumi and. Um, uh, yeah. Rising the Shield hero instantly finds out about his shield ability, and, just, and he'll go find every shield that he can find and starts touching them all. Hell right? yeah! And like, uh, basically enveloping them into his shield. And so I assumed that was what was going to happen immediately after he finds out about his ability. Was he was just going to start going and just taking all the weapons, you know, grabbing Erwin's sword from my shelf and yeah, uh, yeah, that would be sick to copy. Um, but did you do you think it was just like? A downside of that power is it's limited um, by access. Because if there's that throwaway line where he actually he gets uh, a couple new guns after that time skip, he gets an SMG, um, and he said, where'd you pick that up from? It's like, oh, I got a buddy in the arms dealing business. And that's the only way he could expand his arsenal. Yeah, but he's yet. rich as fuck. That's the other thing, though, right? He could have just bought any fucking gun he wanted. And, it, like, they sell guns in the game, like App Store. He didn't even have to get his hands on it for good. He just has to, like, Touch it hold once it. Yeah, just good. hold it. He oh. could buy it and sell it instantly. Exactly. He could also make infinite money by making guns and selling them. <laughs> that's actually a really good point. Because you've never seen them, um, like, disappear. They don't have a time limit. So they just exist now. He can just spawn. Well, it's, it sounds like if he goes unconscious, they will disappear. Oh, as long as his consciousness is up. Okay. 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 Sell it, then go to bed. <laughs> you made your money. <laughs> you can sleep. You could sleep well on your pile of pile of money. Cash. Cash. Yeah. Um, so after his friend dies, he goes on this rampage against Wang. Um, basically, Shuka destroys the living shit out of Wang, oh, which was, that was so cool. An amazing fight. Amazing like idea behind her power. Um, it really kind of re-cemented her as like a really strong player. Oh yeah. Because I think after the first couple episodes where she was like basically undefeated, mm-hmm. you know, the undefeated queen, she was taking a lot of L's. She was taking a lot of L's, and she was kind of taking a backseat to um to like her love comedy. story. Yeah. yeah. And like you know, becoming like basically the matriarch of this Sunset Ravens type uh business Outfit. and yeah. stuff. And I think um, it was cool to see her kind of just regain that badassery that she had in the beginning. It's endearing. That, that, that's what made her a compelling character while being just kind of super cocky and in, in a good way. She had a, Her cockiness was like very well-founded because she was just efficient at killing people. So um, I think how the show ended, um, the season ended, was very interesting take and it kind of cemented this show for me as a unique style battle royale show and that was kaname's reaction once he got like headquarters and stuff in shibuya since the eighth is gone so they kind of taken over their territory they have made their name for themselves they have influence they have weapons and powers and all that um but what they do is enforce a no darwin's game ban in shibuya you can't play the game there it's a safe zone, and anyone caught playing will be mowed down. Right, so Hard. they're like, 
Like the last episode, they're just going through and shredding every other group in Shibuya. And leaving one per little squad alive to tell everyone that you don't play here. He's like, you're going to leave me alive? Yeah, do you know why? No, you just butchered 10 people right in yeah. front of me. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I think that was a brilliant um, you know, extension of Kaname's character. And a reaction that makes him feel realistic. You know, he's he's willing to enforce a deadly kind of uh, reaction to what he's trying to do. But he is doing it all so it, in hopes that people know not to play and kill people in Shibuya. Um, he's yeah, trying don't to play no games in my area, motherfucker. He's trying to break the game. And Game Master notices at the very end. Right, right. So, so he's like, basically once Shinazuka dies... Yeah, he's, he's decided like I'm gonna kill the stupid game master. Yeah, I'm like over with it. Like even during his conversation, the game master basically says like I can't end the game. You have to yeah. come like end it for me essentially. Right. Which like the game master is throwing up weird vibes. Right. That's that's why I was looking at the sigils and how they work with souls and stuff. The the fact that Kaname can listen to his sigil and see that he heard like the iron hammer and everything um yeah so like what exactly is a sigil and in what part is the game master providing these powers i'm i'm curious for season two to see that i mean i'm wondering if it's not just like a a like maybe not physical manifestation yeah whatever physical manifestation of like their soul um, or like their person, right? So like, yeah, yeah. You, you see, Shuka is absolutely like a prickly queen. Like she's very cold exterior generally. There's she's the, like really like interested in violence and killing. Right. You have um, the florist guy was the probably the most direct example because if it's really RNG and he was already into botany and he then he's applied this RNG and somehow happens to get a heavily plant-based power. Well, I was going to say Reigns is the most like one-to-one because she's such an analyst and she's all interested about information. And then she she happens to have one that does that. Yeah. So is it really RNG? Um, and And then like maybe fire gods hammer, you can say like he's being, he's got an iron will. Well that, but he's also like being, um, like tempered into a, new type of player uh, or like the number one player Sue lang even called him a diamond in the rough uh, so to speak yeah. So, yeah a little bit of that and even the even piglet when he had no fingers he now has the power to move things without having to need fingers so it's a and bit- like suey is like really calm and sweet and yeah water is like you very know flowy and yeah, very nice flowy and whatever and then so doesn't kind a of a rigid psychopath. asshole yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's so's ice <laughs> yeah so i mean it's um it's when we talked about it being RNG, maybe the theory is it's not so RNG, and I think we'll definitely be learning more about sigils because the game master clearly knows everyone's sigil. He clearly has a deep understanding of everybody's, hence him telling Kaname, this is what it is, this is how it works. Um, yeah, I was kind of like assuming there might be a little bit of a like rare player type idea, like yeah. like like we've been watching Tower of God and you know, Bam is considered, like, an irregular. And then, like, we've also watched in the past, like, the time I got reincarnated as a slime, and he had yeah. all these, like, like unlocked great sage abilities I'm, and I'm, stuff like, right like away. that. Yeah, he, they are, these characters are given privileges by circumstance. Um, 
And were you hoping for more of that in Kaname? Well, that's kind of like the the vibe I was getting because his phone basically said like his sigil's unknown, right? Yeah. And like, first of all, really unhelpful for a brand new player to like not even know what their own sigil was. Yeah, that's kind of a that's kind of a cheap move. Well, that's frankly. what got him in the fight with Shuka in the first place. Is she yeah. asked him what her she asked him what his sigil is, and he's like, I literally don't know, dude. I wish I could tell you. I have no idea. And she's like, Well, if you don't tell me, I guess we're gonna have to battle it out. Woo! Which is starting the the greatest love story in any death game. Maybe Romeo and Juliet, <laughs> but bloodier. And more poison, maybe. I'm not sure. I don't know if it's more poison. But all in all, how'd you feel? What would you say out of a uh, hundred cut wangs? It was great. I'd give it an 89. Um, Zulon's <laughs> Zulon titties out of hundred. Out of hundred. <laughs> um, yeah, I'd have to give it a, probably like a. I don't know if I'd go with 89. Uh, you know what? That's a solid I'm gonna, score. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna price this right. You can go 88. Just one away. One away. Um, okay. I think the the animation was shockingly good for a studio that's put out not that doesn't have the rap sheets other studios have. When it came down to it, I will say animation crispy, choreography crispy. That that fight between Zulong and Shukan on top of the cars. Yeah, that was sick. that was rad. That was very um very well storyboarded. Um, and the animation kind of fit the bill. Um, yeah, season two I'm assuming is coming next year. I guess. Yeah, it better. Or else, well, the Nexus and I will be taking part in a death game. I mean, like, it was a solid season. Like, I think you could probably end it there. Yeah, it it, it did a good job, but they, they clearly are setting up for... I hope. Like, I agree for sure. Yeah, for the manga's, sure, manga's gone a little further, or the novel. But yeah, so. guys, thank you guys so much for watching at home uh, for the second half of this video. <laughs> yeah, um, it happened. That, that's going to hurt the analytics. I have a sneaking suspicion. <laughs> It'll be fine. We'll put a graphic up or something. Um, oh. But yeah, thank you for listening at home on Apple, Google, Spotify, Castbox, Stitcher, and many more. Yeah, and you can check us out on our Instagram at webology.podcast. You got memes on memes on news, whatever new things happen in the new world order of staying inside, we will be delivering that right into your face. Occasionally. Um, <laughs> um, but if you want uh, to email us and give us any show, show suggestions, um, webologypodcast at gmail.com. Um, Hit us up on Twitter, WeBologyP. WeBologyP. I'm, I'm, I'm not fading. I'm just crumbling. Yeah, mentally. we're starting to fade. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, thank you guys so much for watching and listening at home. And we will catch you on the next one. And next time, um, I want to do a, I want to do a rant. I want to do a rant about Food Wars. I'm going to go off next time. Okay. Because I have thoughts. But Spill your tea, sis. Oh, I will. But until then, I'm Ricky. And I'm Ethan. And this has been Webology. A deuces. I think I'm <laughs>